This is the World of Multi-Employer Benefit Funds podcast with Tracy Doherty Shanklin. If you're interested in labor and union benefit funds, well, you've landed in the right place. We are a go-to source for all things union benefit fund related, and we are going to bring you interviews with key decision makers and fund professionals that guide these plans. They'll share their insights, experience, unique perspectives, all of the latest developments and tips to unlock the mysteries of multi-employer benefit funds. Time is short, so let's get started. Thank you for joining us for the second part of my conversation about diversity in the investment world with Randy Kender, president of the AFL-CIO's Investment Trust Corporation and a former NFL player for the Green Bay Packers and the Philadelphia Eagles. Randy currently serves on the board of the Mikva Challenge and Holtz Heroes Foundation, two organizations dedicated to empowering our nation's underprivileged youth. In the first half of our conversation, we talked about how businesses are taking a stand against social injustice and how the Black Lives Matters conversation has made its way to Wall Street. We've already sort of touched on this, but I'd like to get more specific into the idea of supplier diversity. For my listeners, supplier diversity is the businesses that a company chooses to partner with in terms of outsourcing. It can be anything from HR to custodians and brokerage houses in our world. So I hope you will enjoy the second part of my interview with Randy Kinder and gain some valuable insights. So can you share what ITC's approach is on building those partnerships to ensure diversity? Sure. Well, you know, we, we are a, a vendor, basically. We work for different uh, investors and for the trustees of funds. So we often are the ones being asked the question. Um, but the other part of what we do is we help the AFL-CIO and, and unions look at potential partners uh, who, who could act as managers or trustees for other funds that they may be interested in. And in that our part of our due diligence on them is is not just how has this company been as an actor working with uh, with unions in the past, but also what is the the company's uh, view on what's happening in the world right now. We've had some very very good conversations with partners or potential partners over the past month on what their reactions have been to just the, these issues with George Floyd and the like. And, and frankly, in most cases, Tracy, it's it's been actually a really good exercise for us. And we've been very pleased with what we've heard. In very few instances have, have we gotten an answer back that, hey, our company really doesn't have a say on this just yet. No, a lot of companies have, have recognized what's happening and been able to then go back to some things they were already implementing and just really uh, put exclamation points on them. So right now, this is more important than ever. We're going to double down on our investment into X which is to help, you know, whether it be to, to work with black communities or to diversify their workforce or the like. So we asked the question. That's, that's basically it. We just asked the question. We asked them to report on it and let us know. We don't tell them you will be disqualified for any reason. We just, we just want to know what's happening and put a bold kind of an underline on it by saying these are things that our community, the, uh, the labor community, the AFL-CIO, these are things that we think about care about and believe in, tell us how your your values match up with ours. And in, in each of those instances, again, as I've said, usually what we've heard back has been positive because they they've realized, I think beforehand, if they're going to be working with labor, then they need to 
show that they believe in the things we believe in. And in, in those few instances where it hasn't been a great response, it's, it's been one where at least they now realize what they need to bring to the table next time. And they need what they need to think about if they want to do business with, with our people. The big takeaway I have is how ongoing and very real these conversations about diversity are becoming. Diversity comes up in every RFP that I've seen of late. I've read that the SEC now has a diversity questionnaire that they're placing into their audits for certain size investment firms. Most of the bigger houses are having these conversations, and they should be. What would you say to a company that pushes back and says something like, well, we have a diversity inclusion plan, but we are, more importantly, a meritocracy? I mean, this gets into a lot of things, right? If you talk about a meritocracy, which is a great word, <laughs> right? no one can say it's not a great word and a great, a great thing to be thinking about. But then you, you can't ignore the word opportunity and the fact that so many of these positions, and I, I, I told you from the jump that I ended up here because of, I knew somebody. 18 years ago, I knew someone who introduced me to an opportunity, right? And how many times in life has that benefited, you know, people who actually know people, right? For too many of us, uh, often people who look like me, people who look like you, women and, uh, and people of color, if you don't know that person, that's it. If you don't know where to go, that's it. And if a company is really interested and really believes in, in, in DNI and, and the like, and, and staying true to being a meritocracy, then they want to make sure that their pool is big. They should. They are really getting into the pool and finding all those candidates so they can allow them to then prove their worth and to grow at the very least. Um, and if they, if they don't, and I understand that, there are companies that don't want to invest in that, then they should also then not expect to be seen that way. And should be prepared for people not to want to do business with them because they don't believe it's something that that is worth it for them to do. And, and, and to me, it's it's fairly simple when you look at it that way. And again, in our industry, if these are things that aren't important to you, then just be prepared not to go after certain types of business. You know, if you believe you're in a meritocracy and, and, and so on and so forth. OK, then find clients who have those same values as you and good day. Right. Otherwise, change. Be who you want to be and get out there and, and, and do the good work. And I, I haven't heard once, you know, I haven't heard or seen examples of people when you widen that pool, you know, being disappointed with the good product. As they say, the cream rises, right? Well, let's get all the cream in there and, and then see. And I, I hate to go back to, to a sports metaphor, but, you know, it's... It, you let the cat out of the bag that that's my, my background initially. right? Um, but I was talking the other day with somebody about uh, the Negro Leagues baseball. right? And about, uh, I think it was the Homestead Grays. It was, it was this amazing Negro League team from back in the day. And who was on it? And, and we talked for a long time. And this goes to exactly what we're saying about, well, what if the color barrier had been broken 30 years earlier, 50 years earlier? How different would the record books or, or sports look today? And what effect that would have on society, right? Just by opening up opportunity, what would that look like for us? And it's an interesting thought experiment, right? But when things happen like that, when you 
widen the pool when you take away barriers to entry and, and really work to make it your team or make your industry more representative of the folks out there. In most cases, good things happen and the results prove it out. So it's, it's a philosophical thing, I guess. But to me, it's also just a lazy thing. If you, if you, do, if you want to keep things the way they are, have, have at it. But you're not going to be around for a long time. And you certainly are closing yourself off from the future. And uh, that seems to me to be an easy proposition to make the right decision on. Well, you've pretty much answered this question, but what do you say to the company that might be afraid to have an open dialogue with their employees about race and diversity? Yeah. So here's, this is an interesting one to me I said because I've had in some of the conversations I've had late, recently, I was talking to a, a colleague at another organization who's, a, who's a, a, of color a black woman actually, who runs a, who was an executive director of an organization. They wanted to have a, a conscious conversation with their employees about the workplace, about their feelings on certain things. And so they started with a, basically a survey that they put out, which would then guide kind of the conversation that they intended to have later. And what she found out is that in an organization where she's a woman of color, who's, who's the, uh, the authority in it, there were still, Lots of feelings that you know were about representation, about feeling un- underrepresented, about you know some that people had feelings about having some issues with regarding race and others, and it showed her and it showed me in our conversation that even in what someone would would say is the you know the primo kind of best scenario, the best case scenario, if you're not talking to your teammates, your employees, you're missing it. You're missing what's going on. You're missing the feelings of, of what's really happening. And just from that standpoint, and again, what I would have thought was an ideal situation, you know, the conversation that happened later was fruitful. They understand more about, you understood more about what your employees needed, what they weren't getting, right? And then on the flip side of that, a lot of what was going right. So to companies that don't want to have that conversation, you're just missing out. If you're not talking to them, they're going to be talking about you. And that will affect morale, that will affect productivity. And, it, you know, at that point, you know, why are you doing what you do? Uh, you know, we talked earlier about making sure that your senior management of, of companies is on board and understands and really internalizes kind of what the mission is, especially when it comes to, to, uh, to these issues and core kind of beliefs of a company. You know, the best leaders, I think, are ones who can then make sure that every single person who draws a paycheck or who is a consultant or who becomes a vendor of yours understands that as well and that they believe in it. And like for me and, the, and our team at the AFLCI Investment Trust Corporation and for my, my, my colleagues who work over the Housing Investment Trust and other organizations that, you're, that you know well that work with labor, I mean, this be, it just becomes who you are and you work that much harder if you can believe in what you do. Um, so I would say to any any leader organization, have those conversations because they're being had without you. And it's better that your team know that they're on the same page and beliefs with, with their leaders than thinking they are at, at odds with them. So I had a conversation yesterday with somebody who works in, in diversity and inclusion. That's her space. And she said almost the exact same thing about talking to children about race is 
she said, you know, I asked her about, you know, how do you start that conversation? And she said, it's a tough conversation, but the truth is you have to have it. And if you're not having it, they're learning it from somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I just thought like, you know, that that was such a powerful thought for me is that like, so the choice is you get to teach them or you get to let somebody else influence them and who knows who that person's going to be. So it's such an important part of, of this conversation in general. Yeah. I agree with you hundred percent on that. And I think we had a conversation about kind of what kids think and how they process this stuff at, at one point. Um, but essentially, I mean, absolutely. If you aren't talking to your teammates and to your employees about these things, you have to realize they are talking to somebody. And if they're not hearing it from you, they're going to think one way or the other, you know, something about what it is you believe and what it is the company believes if they're not having that conversation with them. I mean, I ask people all the time, how, how's this, just like you right now, you know, how, how is this being, you know, how is this issue being looked at in your company? Or how are you guys feeling about X or Y? And every time I ask one and they say, you know, I don't really know, it tells me something, right? And they're there by answering the question, telling me something about how they feel either consciously or unconsciously about what, what's going on at their company and the amount of communication they're having. And then you can make all sorts of insinuations after that. It's important. And if it's important, you should talk about it. Yeah. Very important. I'm going to just circle back to one thought that I had. So it goes back to the more the recruiting aspect and, and the difference that we can make going forward. How can we, I think it also speaks to your mentorship involvement and how can we go into, say it's the universities and really demonstrate to them, not just educate them on what we do, who we're doing it for, but demonstrate to them that there is a pathway here for you if there aren't enough people already currently that look like them. That's a tough one. It, it, it is tough because obviously represent, we always hear people say, I say to myself that representation matters. It's a lot easier to want to be something if you see somebody who looks like you doing it. But that said, I would say that if a company makes the investment, the journey to be in a place where there are people who, you know, they're looking to recruit, I would say, especially now. So let's, let's just create a, a scenario, an HBCU, Howard University here in town, down the street from me, right? If a company in our industry shows up and says, this is what we do. We are looking to hire you and your and, and people who look like you, whatever, whatever it is. This is the opportunity. People listen. I mean, the whole, if you build it, they will come. I, I, I absolutely believe in it. I, I do not think, and I'm going to get lambasted by this, but some of my friends and peers, I, I'm sure, but I don't think recruiting is as hard as we make it out. There are a lot of people in this country, a lot of hungry and enthusiastic and driven people looking to find, you know, to find a, something, to find what they're, they're going to do in life, but also looking for something that they believe in, especially now. And if you have an organization that has a set of beliefs that align uh, with positive things, and I think when you're talking about retirement security and investments, it's an easy story to tell. Uh, I, I, I can say it's easy because we tell it every day. 
But you will find people who want to get involved in this. It affects everybody in this country, one way, shape, or another. It's easy to connect to. And you can do well at doing it and make a difference in people's lives. So if you, do, if you haven't already been able to, or, or if your team is not representative, go out and make, you know, take that step. People recognize that. Be that face. You know, I'd say this to be that, that, that white face in a room full of, of black people and say, I'm here because I want, I'm interested in, and I want to add people to my team who are qualified and who look like you so I can be better and you can make us better. Oh my gosh, people will listen. People will absolutely listen. I was, I was talking just the other day, a close, a close reminder is in, in, in DNI, as I mentioned before, is diversity inclusion officer for a company uh, in the Northeast. And she was at an event in New York, and one of the speakers a few months, several months back was a guy from our industry, David Blumenstein from Siegel. It was in a room, you know, full of it was it was a it was an African American organization that works in insurance, and he was speaking to them. And his point to them was, you know, one was to tell his story, which is an interesting one, but also say, I'm here because I'm genuinely interested and I want to do more. Help me do that. And got a fantastic response. And while that may require some courage from a company or investment from a company, right, it's not a hard thing to do. You're going to find lots of people who want to do business with that guy, right, who's there telling you, I, w- I want you in. Is it easier to do it that second time around once you have some, some people on your team and can show some success stories? I think so, absolutely. But it's, it shows a commitment when you start from, a, from that first big step. And uh, I, I certainly, I, I think that's a fantastic thing to do. I would support a company that wanted to do that, right? I would, I would want to help them open doors. But, you know, you have, you have, it shows your investment. It shows that you're serious about it when you go in and you, you plead your case and tell your story. That's a great place for us to, to end. Um, Randy, thank you so much for being here today. Is there anything that you can think of that you'd like to add about this conversation? Just Tracy, I, I want to thank you for having me, but also... The biggest thing, if we, if I, if I didn't say it several times, you know, is to have these conversations, just to keep talking about it, to not be afraid, especially now, not a time to shy away from having hard conversations, but having ones that you know, if enough people have them, can be incredibly impactful. And if there was any industry that one needed really smart and interesting people who actually represent diverse backgrounds and diverse ways of thought, it's ours right now. Um, there's so much change happening. There, there's there's so much strife and fear about what the future might hold that this is this may be one of the most important times for the retirement uh, investment and retirement industry. And again, in getting people in who actually understand what it means for them, what it means for families, what it means for working people, this is a great time to do it. And you know, while we are sitting at home, there's not really a better time to really double down on thinking about it so that we're ready to go as soon as things open up and implement. Um, so I, I thank you for inviting me on. Uh, I'm excited about some opportunities that I hope are going to come for our industry. And I, I hope to be a part of, of making some good changes. I have no doubt you will be. Thank you, Randy. I really appreciate your time. Thanks again for joining the conversation where listeners connect with leading experts throughout the financial and investment world. Be part of the change. And that's it for this week's episode of the World of Multi-Employer Benefit Funds podcast. We love to hear from you. And if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, 
head over to www.multiemployerfunds.com and let us know. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to next time.